Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really could have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. And we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, this is Chris Featherstone. Episode 289, Pancakes and Power Slam show. Follow us at Twitter on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we have a wonderful interview as always every week. Looking forward to this interview today, tonight. Here, ladies and gentlemen, on the Pancakes and Power Slam show, we like to bring anyone, just different people from WWE, former WWE, former WCW, former TNA, current TNA, former Lucha Underground, current Lucha Underground, just all types of personalities. Outside of wrestlers, we also like to bring in referees, announcers, and tonight we have a wonderful uh, guest for the evening. Uh, We have a former backstage interviewer from the WWE, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, He was known as Kyle Edwards, but people in the other sports industries, they know him as Arda Oh, Kyle, how are you tonight, sir? I'm doing good. Uh, am I the Power Slams part or the Pancakes part? Are we going to talk cooking for the next hour or what? 
<laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about everything. Uh, the power slams part, um, the interesting the pancakes part, it stem stem from uh, originally it was in the morning. The first episode was like like Tuesday in April 2012. We piloted it was Tuesday pancakes, and then from the, like the episode two on, it was like. Uh, we changed it to 11 o'clock uh, p.m., and that's where we're at now. Power Slams just comes from uh, just, you know, the whole football type of maneuver, pancaking someone, rolling over someone. So uh, that's how the uh, Pancakes and Power Slams uh, debut. So let's little, let's know a little bit more about Arda Ocal as far as just uh, your – I like your it. I like it. And it's alliterated. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. always goes well in the WWE circles. So very well yeah, done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's good for Google SEO too. That always uh, that always helps as far as uh, yeah. <laughs> always important. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just let the listeners know uh, about just uh, Arda Ocal uh, and and just uh, your your. Uh, yeah, uh, back into sports. Uh, so I mean, I chased the dream. Uh, the short story is, I chased the dream. I uh, was a lifelong wrestling fan, uh, grew up, uh, I'm 36, I'm assuming we're in the similar age range, uh, so I grew up, yeah, so I mean, you and I both grew up, uh, you know, in the in the 80s, uh, loving the uh, the rock and wrestling, and, and when it was really mainstream to love pro wrestling, and then I stuck with it through the new generation, the early 90s, when it wasn't so popular, and then the Attitude Era, when it picked up again. I just loved wrestling. It was my thing. It was my escape. It was just, uh, you know, uh, the thing that I clung on to, and I wanted to work in it. And, and basically, I um, got through uh, broadcasting, uh, did that, but uh, this, the entire time, I, I had that itch to get involved with pro wrestling. So I did it through the independent scene, and then I launched a r- wrestling-related program in Canada where I grew up. And uh, finally, after years and years of, of, of knocking on the door and chasing the dream, uh, it happened for me in 2014. And I had two years there. I wouldn't change a thing. I'm not bitter about it. I'm very happy that everything went down the way it did uh, because I'm better off now and I'm happy. That's that's fantastic. And it's uh, built a pretty good resume for you. I know that uh, in 15 years before then you were um, just really grinding and uh, just just kind of uh, just pounding about away. that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I I through university basically nights and weekends I was spending time at the local radio station and the local school newspaper uh, catching mm-hmm. the bug, uh, catching the media bug. And after university, uh, I was working a normal desk job as project manager, but nights and weekends still I was going to the local public access channel which I sadly heard doesn't exist anymore. I wish it did because it was such a great mm-hmm. place. Without that public access channel uh, in a suburb of Toronto, I would have never learned the ins and outs of television. I basically cut a deal where I said, look, you guys need people with a driver's license. I'll drive your community cruiser van around and set it up at random charity events in exchange. You let me shadow all of your people, the director, the producer, the graphics, every, every department let me learn. So... Yeah, without that, I wouldn't have been able to learn television. But that's how I caught the media bug. And I always knew that uh, in order, like, I always thought that in order to make it to WWE or even just make it, I just needed to put my reps in. I needed to uh, get reps. I needed to get exposure. I needed to pay my dues, so to speak. That, that, that's a term that's always heard in wrestling, right? Pay your dues. So that's yeah. what I did. I, I, I did every 
odd job and, and volunteer position imaginable until uh, I finally found a paying gig. And, and all through that, I did the same thing in the independence in Toronto from setting up chairs to events, helping set up the ring, helping promote, handing out flyers on the street. You name it, I did it in the independent scene until finally um, I found my way as a backstage interviewer, you know, on the random DVDs that the indies would release and also uh, helping promote shows. Now, you said that, uh, you know, as far as just the grind that you did, uh, as far as getting to the WWE, uh, was it a matter of just like pounding the phone? I literally uh, cold called until I got a response. I mean, it took me about two years probably until uh, somebody responded. My first audition there was actually in 2009, uh, and it was awful. It was just a terrible audition. I was nervous. I didn't have enough experience at that point. Uh, I was still, you know, when I say 15 years, I was definitely putting in all the experience, but I wasn't ready. I I just Mm -hmm. wasn't. I mean, I I still felt like uh, there was too much. Like when you you want something so much, uh, it sort of uh, gets into your head. Like you have to mentally prepare yourself, and that's something that I wasn't working on at all. I I just thought, you know what, I'm going to put in the reps, I'm going to know the product, and I'm going to be ready. But you have to mentally prepare yourself to be able to take that leap and also make sure that you are prepared to perform in front of, in that environment. So uh, 2009 didn't go so well. I didn't hear back for another four years. 2013 went great. I didn't get the job. Uh, But then 2014 was finally when uh, mountains were moved and I was able to, to land the gig. Yeah, that's fantastic. What difference did you uh, notice between the, you know, 2009 and 2013? 13, 14, uh, when you got on to uh, WWE, what are some uh, biggest differences that you realize? Uh, uh, experience is a big one. So I was on the air nationally uh, every week from 2009 to 2013. So I had some reps behind me. Comfort. Uh, I, I knew more people in the company now. Uh, I, I felt like I belonged there a little bit more. I, it felt more like Um, a familiar atmosphere. The audition was very similar. So I'd been through that process before. I kind of knew what to expect. They threw a couple curveballs, but it didn't feel like it was uh, completely out of the ordinary. Uh, I felt research. That's a big thing. I mean, if you're going into that environment, you should definitely know what you're getting into. It'll be, you'll feel more comfortable than uh, in that situation, if you if you research as much as possible and know the kind of things that have happened in the past. So, you know, I looked up past auditions, uh, what announcers went through, things like that. So I felt more comfortable going into it in 2013. Now, were there some uh, feedback that you got from any of the announcers back then when you were trying to uh, kind of work your way back up? Uh, I, got, I mean, I reached yeah. out to all the announcers. I reached out to Michael Cole. I reached out to, to JBL. I reached out to, to Jim Ross. Uh, to Jerry Lawler, I mean, I I tried to get pointers from any and every announcer I could. Uh, And I was also doing a a serious uh, wrestling, serious radio show. So I was consistently communicating with wrestlers, bringing them on for interviews, etc. So I had a couple of them that were, uh, I guess you could say mentoring me in a way, like just teaching me the ropes, what, what not to do, what to do, what not to do. Uh, you know, what to send them, what to tell them, how often to reach out. I mean, these are important things. Like anybody listening to this that aspires to be working in WWE, whether it's a wrestler or an announcer, it's important to have people who've been there sort of uh, guiding you along because 
WWE is a place where sometimes people get uh, heat, for lack of a better term, or uh, get find themselves in hot water for the most random of reasons, right? Yeah. So to have somebody in your corner that's telling you how to minimize that as much as possible, how to stay away from you know, bad situations and, and, and how to make sure that you're doing things the right way is crucial. And that, that's definitely something that uh, helped me along uh, in between 2009 and 2013 was picking up that invaluable advice and, and mentors along the way that had been there and had made it. Yeah. And you got a war-winning uh, show, a radio show. Uh, that, yeah, uh, uh, we have. got a, a few yeah. radio uh, awards. for. Um, it was first called Right After Wrestling, now it's called Aftermath. It's still on the air and television in Canada, but basically it launched in 2009. Uh, how it happened was uh, I was an intern, then a part-timer at uh, Hardcore Sports Radio, which was a serious radio station back in 2009. Uh, mm-hmm. It folded a few years later, but uh, we we got an email from the vice president of television. So that, that it was called the score. The app still exists. Uh, yeah, the score app. If anyone's a sports fan, they'll know what the score yeah. app is. Yeah. So in 2009, it was uh, planning stages for, well, the app came later, I believe, but it was a television station. It was a serious radio station and it was the website later. The app would come as well. So it was a very, very well run company, but it was mm-hmm. definitely the, uh, the third of the top three national sports stations in Canada. So the landscape goes TSN, Rogers Sportsnet, and then the score was definitely uh, number three. So yeah. we got an email, a company-wide email from the vice president of television who said, we're looking for ideas for programming. If you have any ideas for television shows, please reach out. Here's a one-page form. Fill it out. And the biggest property that the score had at that time was WWE. It wasn't even close. WWE generated the biggest ratings on that, on that station. I think the second biggest might have been March Madness or something like that. Like they definitely did not have the biggest properties at the time. WWE was the biggest thing in town by a margin of 10 probably. So I said, well, sports have post-game shows. You have people in a studio. You have analysts. You have a host talking about the game you just watched. I think that if you did the same thing for WWE, where people just watched Raw or SmackDown, and then suddenly they come into studio immediately after that to hear people's analysis, I think that people, uh, especially WWE fans, would stick around and watch that. So I filled out the one-page form, and I sent it back, and 20 minutes later I got summoned to his office, and that's where Right After Wrestling was born, basically in December of 2009. And uh, it's still on the air today, which I'm very proud of. I, I, you know, I'm very proud that I was able to have a hand in creating uh, something so successful like that, especially a television program. I mean, think of the life cycle of any television show. So for that to still be on the air eight years later uh, is fantastic. And then while we launched that, we also launched a serious radio version that was on live after Raw on Monday nights, uh, which then became a podcast as well. So uh, that won some awards, which we're very grateful for. Uh, and that uh, introduced me to Jimmy Corderas, who's one of my closest friends in life, uh, who uh, is still on the air with Aftermath, which I'm very happy about. Uh, he's, still, he's still able to find a life after WWE. And it's been how many years now? I think eight years. I think he, yeah, I think it's been seven or eight, six or seven years that he's been with Aftermath now. So that makes me very proud as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, interesting story about uh, Jimmy Corderas here. Uh, he put a piece that I did over about Roman Reigns. It was a pretty lengthy piece. Uh, he put it over, uh, so it was uh, pretty cool to uh, to know that that's my my Jimmy Corderas uh, story. So yeah, it was uh, quite interesting. He 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 definitely did that by mistake. He doesn't like to put people over. <laughs> <laughs> well, he put my piece <laughs> over, so obviously it was good enough for him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it was pretty good too. Yeah, right on. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. I was, a, I was a big fan of it. Uh, so, how did you come up with Kyle Edwards? Uh, let us know that story. The story I uh, heard was uh, it was all the way up to Vince. That's that's what I heard. I don't oh. know the story for sure. Uh, they, oh, when I got there, they told me, put together a list of names. I knew that I kind of knew that I wouldn't be able to keep my name for several reasons. Uh, the biggest one probably being intellectual property. I think they just like to, uh, for predominantly, uh, other than, uh, some, uh, cases with wrestlers or whatnot, or if the name is just per- so perfectly alliterated, like a Scott Stanford, that why would you change Scott Stanford? It's just such a beautiful sounding name, right? Uh, and he's already established. <laughs> exactly. Scott Stanford. He's a, he's a poetic guy, too. So poetic, that makes yeah. big perfect sense. But but also uh, just the fact that he's already established in New York uh, as a sports anchor. So uh, I, I, I didn't care. I was OK with my name changing. I, I was I understood that was just part of the deal. So they said put together some names. So I, I thought the two things that I had noticed from previous announcers are uh, two first names and alliteration. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. put together like, you know, names like Ryan Randall and other stuff like that. I mean, I don't remember the full list, but that's basically what it was. And then my department, I worked in the international department. They put together a list of names as well. And, and some of them took it seriously. Other ones put like ridiculous names. Like I think Ray Donovan was on the list. Like, it's just oh, like wow. okay, <laughs> I'm going to be Ray yeah. Donovan. I'm going to be Lee Schreiber in an awesome show on Showtime. Yeah, that's great. So <laughs> anyway, the list goes to our boss and, Basically, uh, as I under, this is the story that was told to me. I, I'm not sure if it's 100% true, but uh, definitely uh, what, ha- what I heard was it went to Vince, and Vince looked at the list, and he didn't like any of the names. And uh, he said, uh, we, we don't have a Kyle. Let's name him Kyle uh, Richards. He's like, Kyle Richards sounds like a good name. So it comes back to me. My boss calls me and says, hey, congratulations. Your name's going to be Kyle Richards. Don't change anything on social media just yet. Uh, you know, legal's just doing a quick run through of the name, but Kyle Richards is your name. Congratulations. Okay. So I get off the phone. I say, all right, well, that's it. Kyle Richards. I mean, yeah, I mean, sounds like something that I would have expected. So, uh, I'm about to group text my buddies. Uh, and then a few minutes later I get a phone call back from my boss and says, you're not Kyle Richards. And I said, Oh, what happened? What's going on? He said, well, apparently, uh, Kyle Richards is the name of a real housewife on a reality show. Oh, wow. So, he said, uh, we're not using that name anymore, so you're going to be Kyle Edwards instead. So I mm. went from Real Housewives to NASCAR in about yeah. 30 seconds. <laughs> to NASCAR, yeah, absolutely. Uh, very interesting. So uh, you had some, uh, you worked there, and you had a lot of interaction with people backstage. Uh, did you have any backstage interaction, memorable, uh, any stories that you can recall working around? I'm not, I know you worked not too much backstage, but can you think about uh, anything that, uh, that that was that went on as far as memorable uh, backstage uh, moments? I know you worked at Stanford for a while. I mean, you worked at Stanford offices doing like the you did the international thing. 
if I can if I can recall. And then you had so I uh, was backstage yeah. probably yeah. only once a month. Uh, gotcha. So my my produ- my primary job was in Stanford at the studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I was filming there most of their international properties. So I was hosting stuff like Experience and Bottom Line. Right. So I was yeah. definitely in studio. And it's far less, I guess, what you would perceive to be political. Uh, it's far less political at the studios than it is uh, backstage on the road. So I didn't, I, I didn't necessarily experience that firsthand so much because I was only there once a month. So it was kind of yeah. like a novelty going on the road. But... Uh, when I was on the road, everyone was nice to me. I mean, I don't, if anything happened behind my back, I certainly didn't hear about it. But um, I remember one story, and this is uh, one of the one other reason why I have so much respect for John Cena is one month I was there, and I was big into pocket squares. So I like I like matching pocket squares with shoes and stuff like that's like my fashion thing, right? So I had like a pink pocket square on, and uh, I hadn't met John yet, and he was walking by me. I said, "Hey, John, my name's Kyle. Very nice to meet you." And John looks at me, he's like man, that's a really nice pocket square. I like that a lot. And then he was like busy. He, he ran away. And then that, that was that for that month. And then the next month I went back and I was wearing a different pocket square. Uh, and keep in mind, this is like a month later. So I see John again and I go up to him like, hey, John, how you doing? And he's like, Kyle. And he looks at me, he goes, you're not wearing that pocket square. And I'm like, how on earth do you remember that? And he's like, he's like it was a good pocket square. I really like that pocket square. And then he walked away. And I was like, man, like for a guy that meets, like how many people does John Cena meet a day? And how many different, how many hundreds of things are on his plate a day? And he remembers some random announcer's pocket square. I, don't know, I thought that was really like, this kind of just shows you the kind of guy that he is. Like he, I think he, he, he cares. And I, I think that, you know, it just, it's just another story to pile onto the, the good guy list so to speak, you know, all the make-a-wish stuff you hear about him and, and all the good that he does. Like, that's just another, like, stand-up thing to add to the list there for, for, for John. Uh, yeah. What else in terms of um, – I'm just thinking for you stories. I mean, I spent a lot of time uh, – when I was around, the Raw pre-show was still there. So uh, mm-hmm. that was uh, – Booker T was in, in Stanford every, mu- every week, and Corey Graves was in every week, and later David Otunga was there every week as well. So, like – uh, I, I'd spend considerable amount of time with them. Basically, my entire Monday would be spent hanging with them and just uh, seeing them prepare for the show. Uh, and so when I see, from my perspective, when I see uh, Dave and Corey uh, succeed, uh, I don't watch anymore, but you know, I hear that they're on the announce teams. Uh, that makes me happy because uh, they they definitely worked hard when I saw them for that year year or so when they were doing the raw pre-show uh they were definitely working hard and putting hours in so i'm happy for their success yeah uh cory graves is uh is is doing both raw and smackdown now uh david otunga correct he, that's correct yeah, yeah. going back to yeah. this, it's right that's right and yeah, no matter what square. even if i'm wearing a jumpsuit i gotta wear the pocket square <laughs> gotta wear that's a pocket it. square yeah <laughs> <laughs> gotta wear the pocket square uh but yeah it's yeah cory graves is doing uh, doing very well uh, right now, and, and, and David Otunga, uh, he's doing like the pre-show now uh, for the for pay-per-view. That's a but, good point. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but he's, but he's doing, he's doing, he's doing very well um, as far as you know, as far as other endeavors is concerned. Um, you know, Corey Graves has uh, definitely made a big come up, and WWE is making a lot of big investment in him. 
especially, uh, you know, being Raw and SmackDown uh, uh, commentator. He's the only person who can say that he's done that. Uh, came from NXT to the main roster, now on both Raw and SmackDown. So he's doing doing quite well. So uh, I definitely think uh, that he's proud of, of what he's, you know, achieved, forced to retire. Uh, but uh, he's definitely made a big come up uh, as far as uh, achieving different types of dreams. Uh, I watched the battle battleground, I think it was, or whatever was on the network, but they were kind of documenting that. Um, and just how, you know, it's different now. Uh, he had, he had to have some different dreams. He was forced to retire, but uh, uh, he definitely was able to, uh, to really triumph uh, from, from his, from his really tough, time of going again being forced to retire yeah i mean look i mean i i i saw Corey graves when he was unsure whether he would even have a position at wwe or not and he was uh wondering whether what how far his next career would take him right i mean his dream was to be a wwe superstar he it didn't work out for him due to injuries and concussions and whatnot and uh now he suddenly had to pivot to something else uh, and, and try announcing but I mean, from everything that I've I've personally heard and seen, uh, he's transitioned very nicely, and and I mean he's he's become a generational announcer, and I'm very happy for him yeah. because he put in the work. I mean that's to me he paid his dues, he worked hard, he honed his craft, and he's now uh, at the top of the mountain as he should be because he's he's very good at his job. Uh, I don't like putting him over, so this is this is like pulling teeth for me, like it's very difficult for me to find compliments for Corey Graves because I worked with him for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need him, trust me. He's, He's doing great stripes. for himself. Yeah. <laughs> He's earned his stripes. So you're back into sports now, right? Doing some hockey um, for, was it MSTS, MSG? Um, hockey that you're doing now, I believe, uh, that you've, yeah, absolutely. I mean, grew up in Canada. Of course, you're going to be a hockey fan. Otherwise, you're going to be deported. So I grew up playing hockey. I grew up watching and loving hockey. And honestly, while I was uh, pursuing the, the pro wrestling dream, uh, the kind of broadcasting I was doing was hockey. I was doing stuff at the minor level. I was doing stuff at the AHL level, the feeder system to the NHL. Uh, and now uh, I'm lucky to work with M- MSG Networks and do uh, a show called the MSG Hockey Show, which comes on after Ranger, Islander, uh, Devil, and Sabre games. And also uh, be on the broadcast with the Devils. Uh, it's great. Uh, I, I enjoy it very much. I love the people I work with. Uh, and, and I love the content. I love hockey. So it's a lot of fun for me to do this and be a part of it. And uh, I'm very happy. I mean, I, 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 I still live just outside of New York City with my fiance. Uh, my life is here. Uh, and I'm uh, better off for it. So, I mean, when I look back on my time at WWE, uh, it is not with any sort of uh, you know, I don't have any shame. I don't have any uh, grudge, nothing like that. Uh, it, it's just a closed chapter for me. I haven't watched since I left. And that's just simply because I want to focus on other things, not because I'm bitter. So uh, I'm very happy with how things turned out. Uh, I'm a good example for anybody who is trying to break in that dreams do come true because probably I was one of the more unlikely people to ever make it. And so I... I love that I'm, can, I can be an example to other people who are trying to achieve their dreams, no matter how lofty they may seem. Just look at me. I made it, and I probably was one of the least likely people to make it. So if you have a dream, 
then chase it. Absolutely. So speaking of Canada, uh, Anthem uh, owns Impact Wrestling, and uh, they're Canadian. Is there any chance that uh, we may see Arda Ocal or whatever name you want in, uh, in Impact Wrestling getting back to the wrestling uh, scene? Is there any chance that we may be able to see you uh, away from hockey? I know that you're happy, but... Uh, you know, uh, I'd say, I, I, never say never in the world of wrestling, of course. We've, we've yeah. definitely seen returns that we thought would be impossible. But for me in my life right now, I'm very happy uh, with what I have on my plate. Uh, and it would take something considerable for me to return to WWE. And I think that there are plenty of talented people out there who would love to be in those roles and at this point, I wish them well, and if any of them reach out to me for advice, I happily give it to them. So uh, let's just say that I'm very happy where I am, and if you're a hockey fan or a sports fan, seek me out uh, on Twitter at ArdoCalTV, and uh, thanks for listening. This has been fun. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the fact that we talked about the power slams, but next time, let's talk about the pancakes. Absolutely. Well, we can talk about it now. What's your favorite pancake? Uh, all of them? Isn't that the right answer? <laughs> I love putting chocolate chips in my pancake. I will say that. I, I don't like, like pecans. Yeah, you like pecans? That's a good one. No, I don't like pecans. Oh, you don't like pecans. Okay. No. Yeah, I'm a no. ch- I, I, I overload the chocolate chips. Like, I just, like, throw in a whole handful while I'm making yeah. them. I like to make them from scratch, though. So, uh, I, I'm definitely – I definitely um, – uh, I, I'm a, I'm a, like a critic when I go to a restaurant and I'm eating yeah. pancakes there, they've got to be good. So like, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely a critic. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Well, Arda, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming on the show tonight and uh, hope all, uh, you know, best wishes in, in your future endeavors. In <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thanks so much uh, for Arda Ocal. Uh, for a wonderful, wonderful interview, and uh, just great stuff, man. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, you know, it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, to hear uh, just former WWE, um, former former WWE talent, you know, in any ways, you know, to to have a two year run as a backstage interviewer, and uh, you know, this is really good. It's really promising, you know, to people who are journalists and you know, are in the media industry to just really keep grinding. You know, he was talking about he was, you know, just grinding for 15 years before he got an opportunity to be 10, you know, 10 years before he even, you know, had an audition, you know. So, you know, it's it don't matter how long you've been in, you know, if you want that spot, if you want that opportunity, you just got to keep pushing and keep pushing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into uh, tonight's festivities. We've got a Hell in a Cell review. We've got a bunch of headlines as always. we got the Raw and SmackDown review and we got the top five War Games matches for the Flavor of the Week tonight. Without further ado, let's bring in the co-host with the most, Evan Tech Proud. How are you tonight, sir? Yeah, I'm doing better. Doing better. How you feeling? I'm doing great, man. Uh, um, I haven't been, haven't been feeling well, physically, but mentally, I'm 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 all set, man. I'm I'm good to go. I'm in high spirits, but uh, um, I'm in high spirits because I serve the high spirit, the Holy Spirit. How about that? Uh, so yeah. yeah. Other than that, 
<laughs> other than that, I'm good. Physically, I'm not feeling well at all. Um, I've had a yeah, bug for the past few days, but uh, you know, it, I felt much worse. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic and you know, all about perspective. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. There was some uh, prayers out, you know, someone that just uh, my streets blocked off. This uh, guy where someone ended up getting shot. So oh, there was some, yes. you know, prayers out to uh, you know the victim and you know to their families and you know, he or she. So. Yeah, absolutely. And also, um, uh, we didn't mention it last week, but definitely prayers go out to uh, the uh, the the victims of the. Las Vegas shooting. Yeah. Definitely, you yeah. know, just praying just for just for peace and that really really tough time. It's just, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's it's hard not to believe <laughs> that God exists when there's so much evil in the world. Uh, you know, that's my perspective on it. It's like evil exists, man. There's evil people doing evil things, and people just need a savior. And uh, you know, <clears throat> it's it's really really tough to. You know, to to hear that on the news, uh, you know, I, I write, uh, you know, I, as as a living, I'm a journalist, so I hear about all that news, and I, I just kind of soak it in and just, you know, just go right into prayer because, you know, <clears throat> so much craziness in this world, man, it's just like something all the time. Yeah, it's true. All we can do is pray. Anytime you turn around, it's something crazy going around, terrorist attack. Mass shootings, right? Yeah. Stuff you know that happened locally that you know the news and everyone in the world may not know about. Right, exactly. Yeah, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into the Hell in Cell, Hell in the Cell review. Uh, of course, we had uh, Gable and Benjamin uh, defeating the High Brothers in a pre-show. We had the Usos defeating the New Day, becoming new tag team champs. Very interesting, though. Um, it seemed like I was going to write a piece about this as far as just where uh, the New Day goes after this. Uh, but as we saw on SmackDown, we'll get to SmackDown Live as well. Um, it just, uh, New Day is kind of being <laughs> kind of put to the side. So that was uh, very interesting. But uh, great match. Very good match. Randy Orton defeating Rusev. I mean, just a. Uh, Filler feud that means nothing. Corbin yeah, uh, winning the US championship. Yeah, <laughs> Corbin defeating the uh, he won in the U.S. championship uh, in in a triple threat match. Solid match. Uh, Natalia maintaining you know the the, the championship, but uh, Charlotte Flair, Flair winning by disqualification. Of course, with the fashion files. Jinder Mahal defeating Shinsuke Nakamura, which well, I think he's. Uh, he may be doing some India stuff. Uh, I, was, I was wondering why in the world wasn't he not there? But uh, I know that he was supposed to go to India. I think this week, maybe this week or yeah, I think maybe this week. Uh, Bobby Roode uh, defeating uh, Dolph Ziggler and then Kevin Owens defeating Shane McMahon in the Hell in the Cell match. Just your overall thoughts on the pay per view? Um, so I thought the pay per view was about to left for Mania, so um, <laughs> like a. I think I texted you. It was like, gosh, you know, it's at the 11.30 and the pay-per-view's just yeah. ending. But I, I, I thought overall solid pay-per-view, you know, the new day. Also, um, rivalry has been great. I really enjoyed that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so me, you know, the feed made me a fan of, uh, and this is the most I've liked the Usos. I never really was much of a Uso fan when they were, like, the good guys and 
Other than that, I like them now. Bullseye. So Bullseye. 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 You know, Corbin winning. The, was the a crazy surprise, but he, and all that. Yeah, <laughs> no one understood what he was saying. He was right. mumbling and chanting and <laughs> the, the random phantom pyro noise. Yes, but, um, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, Boyd Corbin winning, I, I really applauded that. Um, it's an overall, this is a decent pay-per-view. Uh, Ziggler and Rude downloadable match. Um, yeah. It, that's not really going to matter much until they keep, you know, I guess we got to wait a few weeks to really put steam towards it. I like how Ziggler's kind of coming out to the spot like, like Batista did before he left. Hang on, the so many event was just very well done. Um, definitely uh, great storytelling. Um, Sami Zayn just popping up, downloading out the blue and interfering. No one saw that coming. And it, right. That's what I like with WWE wrestling in general. Have something happen where no one could have called it. No one saw it coming. Everyone was like really wild. And I thought it was, it was one of the better Hunter Cells. Ten, ten times oh, better yeah. than Shane Undertaker. Oh, and definitely. That was their life. That was horrible. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that Helen Cell was not good at all. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think this is one of the better pay per views of the year. Uh, there were some, you know, SmackDown Live spots to it. Like, yeah, that that probably could have happened and should have happened on SmackDown Live. But yeah, I mean, just as far as you know, the Hell in Cell match, both of the Hell in Cell matches were two of the best Hell in Cell matches of the entire Hell in Cell series. Um, I think they were both of them delivered fantastically, and you know there were some other things like Jinder Mahal and Shinsuke Nakamura. It's just I do not like what they're how they're booking Shinsuke. Uh, it's just it's terrible to see someone who was basically foolproof in NXT and just had so much amazing mystique. Uh, just to come and just be over, you know, just underutilized, just just poorly utilized, I should say. Um, and it, I mean, they they have just really done a, a poor job with Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, I, I mean, I'd rather for him to see, I, I'd rather see him in some type of mid card feud or some type of you know big feud, you know non title feud, than to just be uh, in you know multiple title matches and lose them. You know, and it's like, I don't care how he lost them. He just keeps losing, you know, these title matches. How does that make him, you know, a credible threat, you know, come, you know, the time when he does? And I, I caught it. I said, I texted it. I mean, I tweeted it. I said, Nakamura is winning the Royal Rumble. And that's basically how it's going to be. He's going to win the title at WrestleMania 34. He's going to win the WWE Championship because that, to me, is the only reason why they would make him seem more of like an underdog, perhaps. But I am I am certain that he's going to win the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Hopefully WWE does push it like that. When Nakamura does win it, it'll be a little different. It'll be um, different because not only WWE you know, the build whoever wins the Rumble is like the strong, overpowering person. You know, look at the past winners of the Rumble. It's somebody big, overpowering. But uh, Nakamura winning it would be cool. I mean, you know, of course, you need to go back to the lesser Rumbles. You know, Edge won it. You know, I don't think anybody want to remember the fact or act like it happened when Del Rio and Sheamus won it. Um, oh, gosh. But, Those are two of the worst uh, ones. <laughs> Yeah, it was. So but, um, 
Nothing more winning it really really helps because I mean he could he's athletic he's not an overpowering guy but he's very dangerous so. Um, yeah, I think it'll be him and AJ. I think AJ won the WWE Championship before Mania, um, probably at the Royal Rumble uh, against Gender, and I think it's going to be Shinsuke and AJ at uh, at WrestleMania 34. Yeah, I mean it's just a mess. WWE uh, fans will be forming at the mouth about. Granted, we've seen it right. two years ago, Wrestle Kingdom. We've seen it before, but. It's not in WWE world because if it didn't happen in the world of WWE, it never happened, never happened at all, right. according to them. So um, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. And, and yeah, like I said, AJ won the title. Uh, Nakamura win the the Rumble. Hopefully they can push SmackDown afloat because normally there's been somebody from Raw, but Raw's the A show, you know. Because you know whoever whatever brand doesn't win the Rumble, they're going to use the Elimination Chamber or whatever show before Mania. Or, yeah. Some kind of stipulation for the brand pay per view. So, but um, yeah, I, I previously didn't mention your boys' match, the Maharaja, because I, uh, I, like I said, that was that was the first. So I got in the house late, um, Sunday from a, you know, uh, so you know, personal events, and the first match I saw was your boy and Nakamura, and I, I already said, I, I said that the, the um, saw team, my media assistant, my people, I was like, look, I already know how this is going, and Jinder's kid is going to interfere. Nakamura's going to get the advantage, and then Ginger Juice is going to put him in an ugly colossus move. Yeah. And he's going to win. And this is the same ending every single paper. Yes. Every yes, single SmackDown. And from what I've heard, live events. So I don't know who's booking his matches. It was like you can be a little more creative. Yeah. And, and, and like they I have said to weigh about 80 pounds. How small are those guys? They, <laughs> My daughter's bigger than him, like bigger than him. She's 16. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, But, yeah, you know, I think, like I said before, I think the biggest thing with with Nakamura is I don't just, I don't see any originality. I mean, like I said, you can take everything about, I mean, not about Nakamura, but Jinder Mahal. You can take everything about Jinder Mahal. You can remove it from Jinder. You can place it on someone else. And it would be just the same. I mean, like, it would just, there's nothing unique. He's not really, there's nothing really about Jinder Mahal that is his kind of ownership, you know, to, to what he's doing. He, you can, you can take the, you can take the whole gimmick off of him, dump it on someone else, and it'll be the same thing. So uh, that's my biggest thing. His run is what any other, basically, his run is the, the stereotypical foreigner run. You know, I, I don't yeah. tell Sergeant Slaughter because he's American, yeah. but any other foreigner run. I mean, there could have been Kylie, but Kylie, yes, uh, yeah, she. Kylie's too too big. You know, he was limited because he's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiger Jet Singh, look at look at his run. Look look at the original Sheik's run. Um, uh, Tiger Ali Singh, remember him? Muhammad oh, yeah. Hassan, if he didn't deal with so much political. Like you said, it's, it's basically the foreigner WWE run template. Yep. That's pretty much what he is. He's a, he's a foreigner template. And from what I got today, and I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure if you got it, the viewership and the subscription since Jinder Mahal's won the title for the network from India it actually went down since he said. Yeah, I know. Uh, yep. Uh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, that's, 
know, Master Doe was, was, you know, praising him, giving him accolades, which, you know, was all fine, but and I'm pretty sure he's a nice guy. But in the, the day, he just doesn't. I, I just think it's a combination of, I just think WWE is trying too hard. I just yeah. think they're pushing them too hard. And I just think if they kind of pulled it back and just kind of let it grow organically. And is and, and another thing, too, look, and, and it's funny, it reminds me of even Savage Run. Savage was WWE champ for over a year before Hogan took over. Yeah. Savage WWE Run wasn't great because he fought all bigger guys. You know, he wasn't Hogan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the King Kong Bundys and the John Studs and Andre the Giants and so forth and so on. Savage really didn't have, I mean, Savage is Savage, but you get what I mean. Jinder Mahal, look at the quality of who he had to defend his title. Orton, but Orton's born. He's like a piece of paper. And Orton doesn't have chemistry with everybody. Jinder no. Mahal definitely doesn't. Besides that, who else is Mahal feeded with? Just you know, anyone that can really say that again? I said just Shinsuke Nakamura, really. That's, that's, it's been Orton and Nakamura since he won in May. Five months. And, and, and I think with Nakamura, Nakamura could, I mean, that chemistry was okay. And he just doesn't mesh. Orton and Nakamura had good chemistry against each other. It's just mm-hmm. General Mahal does not mesh. He, you know, as we call him in general, he just does not mesh well with everyone. And the yeah. fact that a third, a third, even half of his feud is been with Orton, who is the same way, where he doesn't have chemistry automatically with everyone, definitely, I feel definitely doesn't help. And his, his mic skills, I know you love his mic skills, uh, Seth the Stone. Oh, gosh. Second coming to Dusty Rhodes. Oh, man. Why did you even mention his mic skills? I have to do it. Oh, man. Terrible. I am the modern day Manaraja. <laughs> And I will be sure that you and the Orton are going to go down. I just, oh, just, just hey, spare me. And, I'm not, and this may not be popular. Anybody listening live or archived or that's listening through WrestleZone.com, live or Facebook live, they may, you all may not like me for this, but I can tolerate Ginger Juice's promos longer than I can Seth Rollins. Ah, <laughs> uh, Seth Rollins, yeah. I'll tell you what, you are. I'm gonna burn it down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, 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 if I can add real quick, uh, my, my 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 lovely honey, my girlfriend was watching Raw. Uh, we tend to do that, and she's a casual fan. She doesn't watch every week. So when <laughs> Seth Rollins came out, <laughs> she was, first thing she says like, "What's the point of that? Like, what's the point of his song?" Was to burn it down, and I bust out <laughs> laughing and said, "That's a good. I mean, we get it, but it's, it's, we only know it because of the game. But even to the the to to a casual fan, even for us that watch it on a regular, he done no legit promotion. What is burn it down? Listen, what it is makes sense. I mean, you know, that's basically what he was, you know, he was talking about burning Suplex City to the ground. But it's funny because he's the architect. But the architect is someone who, you know, kind of, yeah, kind of puts the blueprints together for for buildings. But burn it down is com- the complete opposite of that. It's burning it, burning them down. So that makes absolutely no sense to me. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, let's get to the headlines. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yes. You want to say uh first headline I believe we do have, um, Featherstone is that um you wrote about how there was a poll where Hulk Hogan was voted as the greatest WWE champion of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh within WWE championships rich fifty year fifty year history of the title. Um, Hulk Hogan was voted as number one. Uh, this is something uh, you know, some little quick points. Hogan is number one. Rey Mysterio uh, was listed as 50, um, of course, due to his one-day reign, um, which is funny. It was like one hour. Care. It was like yeah, one hour. Yeah, one hour reign. Yeah. And then he had one hour, he lost to Cena. Yeah. That same night, which I'm, I'm – no, no, I think it's kind of funny that he decided to go by that uh, mm-hmm. that reign instead of the original reign he had when he was on SmackDown. But uh, Bray Wyatt made 49. Uh, top in the top five uh, after Hogan, of course, is Cena. Uh, I believe Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now you're Shawn Michaels. But um, <laughs> what are your thoughts, Father Stone? Of um, do you agree? You know, as, as Hogan um, being the greatest, vote is the greatest WWE champion of all time. One hundred percent. I I mean Hogan's the man. I mean you know, um, you know. Uh, racial slur aside, I think that Hogan is what uh, made the WWE what it is. Uh, I think you know people. A lot of people are talking about you know Steve Austin with the merch, and you know he was very pivotal attitude era. You know he was uh, top merch seller, one of the greatest of all time as far as popularity. But you know one thing about Austin compared to Hogan is that Austin, and still to this day, really, I know he has this show, his Broken Skull Ranch show. But Austin, and I'll even say this to The Rock, this is all a surprise that The Rock was ninth. Um, and the Taker, I believe, was like 16th or something like that. that was yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Taker was 16, 17, yeah. something like that, yeah. Uh, it was ridiculous. Uh, but uh, The Rock was ninth, and I think The Rock is in the top five, and I've never been really a Rock fan. But the thing is, one thing I noticed different between Hogan and Austin is that Hogan had that... Uh, he he was able to transcend the business. I mean, as much as people love Austin, he really stayed in the business. You know what I mean? Like, he really didn't transcend the business like Hogan and The Rock did. Uh, and, and now Batista, really. Uh, but, you know, he, you know, he really didn't have that type of ability to do. I know he, you know, was in some, some shows and, and, you know, in a movie. And, and uh, you know, like I said, he has his own show. But he never he hasn't achieved you know that type of celebrity status outside of of the WWE. So you know when people say Hogan, it's like you don't even have to watch wrestling to know who Hogan is. You know most most of you know all of wrestling fans know who Stone Cold Steve Austin is, but he hasn't you know he never really got an opportunity. Well, he had an opportunity, but he's never really transcended the business. So I think that's the biggest uh the biggest, you know, kind of difference between Hogan and Austin. Yeah, my thing is this is I know Featherstone, you, you probably dealt dealt with this team, um growing up in Ohio back in the day it was you know, with NWA or yeah, NWA or Public Enemy or you had Biggie and T Pac and, and and you know yeah. or, you know, if I was Hogan or Flair, you had Sting, Sting or Brahard or Warrior, and then you had Hogan or Rock. And for me, in a way, like you said, I I liked The Rock, but I was more of an Austin fan. But it's weird because I was more of an Austin fan because I grew up 
I grew up with him being sensational Steve Austin with the long hair and the robe and then stunning. So I was the Austin favor before Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we were saying that, like you said, Austin just stayed within the, the wrestling realm. Of course, he's a pop culture icon because of popularity, but he didn't really he didn't really expand like The Rock did, like Batista, like Hogan, outside, even Cena. You know, right. so uh, regardless, I keep telling people Hogan's the man. Hogan will still be the greatest WWE champion. Hogan will still be the number one Absolutely. biggest wrestling name of all time because Hogan saved wrestling, period. That's, yes. that's Hogan. Hogan saved all of wrestling, not just WWF, not just WCW or, or any of the territories. Hogan, he will forever be the man. You can, you know, Absolutely. give accolades to the to the Austins and to the Takers and to the Michaels and, and to them, but Hogan's still the man. I mean, the Rock is huge. Austin's huge. Of course, we know the GOATs thing is, is, is always great. You give it to Flair, San Martino, but Hogan's still the man. So I agree with I mean, Kurt Angle. He came out and said Cena was the greatest WWE champion. I mean, which uh, I guess if you're Flair, we'll leave that alone. So, uh, so did uh, so did Michael Cole. He's uh, the greatest of all time. Wow, what in the world? Greatest of all time. Get off of that alcohol, man. What I, I don't. Now, uh, I mean, nothing against Mitchell Cole with uh, Jericho. And I, I love Jericho. Jericho to me is like top, top, top five. He don't get enough, enough yeah, dude. Um, and he's actually so. somebody that transcended way past wrestling. Um, yeah. Even Brock, but. Um, yeah, man, Hogan's the greatest of all time. The Messina, of course, is, is legendary, and I have nothing against Cena, which I know we have another headline to get to, which uh, is on you know, the segue too. But Hogan's the man who'll always be the man. Is my good old buddy Bischoff? We always joke about him being the boss horse. Um, Hogan's Hogan's it. I mean, Hogan's the goat. We rarely say that about anybody over Sting, but uh, in that category, Hogan's the goat. Yeah, you know, no one's ever eclipsing Hogan. It's like Jordan in basketball or Jerry yep. Rice as a wide receiver. No, nobody's in our lifetime ever going to eclipse him. Um, I know we mentioned Cena. I don't know if you want to go by order, but another headline is that John Cena recently um, mentioned in a second headline, really the third, but what is segue to John Cena, how he said that he'll never retire, at quote, from the business, he has no no desire, no us, no zeal to go into politics. Um, but Cena recently, of course, did say early how he was you know his days are numbered. He's slowing down. Cena basically is like part time. Uh, I just think it's kind of funny where, uh, of course, you know Cena and The Rock aren't necessarily best of friends. They didn't like each other when he first started. Um, Cena was on The Rock for leaving, going to Hollywood, but yet now. Cena is starting to do the same thing that Rock did. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty hilarious. So yeah. uh, yeah. I always sided for The Rock because I'm like, look, The Rock's family is wrestling. You've been in the business all your life. The Rock full wrestling career. I mean, he started in what 98, 97 ish. No, no, sorry, 95. 95. Yeah, 95. Yeah. He went and he had that great match with the Sultan, Rikishi, and oh, wow. WrestleMania. Uh, but yeah, 
So the rock was strong from ninety five <laughs> all the way up until two thousand and three before taking time off. So I mean, you look at it, the rock did what to get eight years solid. The Rock did before, he, and then you can't blame The Rock. And I would I'm look at The Rock now. He, he, I mean, I would say The Rock is the biggest star wrestling besides Hogan. Um, if oh, you yeah. add everything, if you add everything up as far as that, so, um, see, I mean, Cena, Cena, you know, Cena's cool. Give him his respect. He won't ever air quote retire, but you're doing the same thing The Rock did, buddy. You're getting old. You're you're, you're 40 plus. Your stunt hair stunt the thing. And you've been carrying the company for over 10, 15 years. So now you're starting to see why The Rock did what he did. Yeah, and I always go back to the fact that, uh, you know, Cena uh, Cena was responsible. Cena is responsible. His era uh, overall uh, resulted into a huge decline in viewership, uh, you know, in, in WWE as a whole. And you know, as many people want to talk about, uh, you know, Cena being the man and the greatest of all time and such and such, it's like, eh, I mean, he, he just because you've been somewhere a long time, that means you're the best at it. So, uh, and I think that, yeah, you've been around for 15 years, but, you know, the, <clears throat> the pro wrestling in general has hurt. And as far as numbers are concerned, it's dipped substantially, you know, in the past, you know, 15 years you're talking you know they they basically get happy about at 3 million you know I'm saying we had 3 million and it was you know double that you know the beginning of 2002 I mean the beginning of the 2000s you know it went up to you know 6 7 million around the attitude era days so it was a decline since Cena's been there I mean he's you know he's his work ethic his consistency you know is good uh, the interview that he said he didn't have didn't want anything to do with politics was uh, he was caught by he was um, stopped by uh, TMZ and they asked him. Um, but you know, at the same time, I think that he, you know, his movies and his television, I think that's probably most likely what he'll do. I think I think it was Jr. that said that uh, you know he doesn't see John Cena wrestling full time again, which uh, which I don't either. Most likely, I mean, he was uh, scheduled for a Survivor Series. Now he's not, so uh, most likely he won't be back until probably the first of the year. You can't put it like this, and I've defended Captain Captain Four Kids doing this around people. Like I don't like seeing him. I can't stand him. You got to give him his props. He's, he he is the man right now. You know, as far as him being the biggest draw, he's the man. He carried the company for 15 years. He was uh, took over after Austin. You know, I know you had the ruthless aggression era, which is kind of weird because you had Angle and Brock, and you know you had kind of more of an influx of of a lot of different main event stars, kind of like the Attitude Era. You know, everybody. You had so many different people that could carry it. Was it dependent on one person? After that, Cena was the man. And of course, Orton, of course, helped out, you know, Triple H, or, you know. But, Batista. Yeah, yeah, Batista. I can't forget, yeah, you can't forget Batista. And I know I'm missing a few others, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Cena doesn't need to be full time. He paid his dues, he did everything he needed to do. Cena mm-hmm. on every week is not going to change the ratings. 
and Cena right. deserves to go out, and, and Cena deserves to go out, and Cena deserves to expand and do other things because his body's getting old. All of that, that hustle and tussle every week, flying media appearances, that takes away on your body. So now Cena sees why the Rock only did it for about eight years, and like I said, it was a different time when the Rock was there as opposed to now. So uh, before going to our next headline is uh, Jeff, brother Nero, Jeff Hardy, did him having to get his second shoulder surgery. And, and I think the summer I alluded to a few weeks ago, uh, now it's pretty much confirmed that he will miss WrestleMania 34. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he could do a surprise entry. And I, I, I was just thinking about this a few weeks ago, and I was reading a um when we was uh, doing pre-production uh, for this show, I was reading the article you wrote. Um, hey, uh, not be funny. This <laughs> is my good old buddy, um, um, MD Nice. So he says, you know, if I was just ten years younger, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> same thing goes for Hardy. You know, it's not the attitude era no more. It's not even the early millennium. You know, you twenty twenty-five pounds heavier. You struggling to rip your shirt off in one right. one swoop and you can't even uh, what was the name we gave the small town mom for the stone uh oh. uh we get, that a splat swamp, uh, uh we'll come up with that 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 splat bomb or something. <laughs> you can't I, I, not since T N A Impact Anthem Owl crossed the line of impact, not since like two thousand and ten he's actually cleared off a full swan song. He's so heavy <laughs> In out of shape, but like I say he's not in the shape that he was, and, and I'm not going against that. Like I said, I I, I like the Hardys. I've met Matt before. You know, Matt's a good guy. I'm I'm carrying great things about Jeff. But you get older, you hurt your your, your shoulder, and um, it, it it's kind of to me, my opinion is kind of half and half. It it does hurt because you have the Hardys. You know, Jeff won't be there, but then at the same time. Jeff Hardy isn't really the box office draw, so yeah, not anymore. Maybe this could, yeah. yeah, not anymore. Right? You know, this isn't uh, we see see more punk. Uh, was a old, I get the years mixed up. You know, we get an old brother, oh eight, oh eight, oh nine. Yeah, oh eight, oh nine. They all, they all, they all trying to run together. But yeah, I mean, you know, they just let them rust up and and everything. Now take a negative to a positive. You you have uh you know Matt Hardy who can go back to being version one. Um, like he did in O three, which I love. Or <laughs> I mean, in which Matt's the better singles wrestler in my opinion. So it it kind of works out. I can't say I I kind of like Matt um, single wise a little better than Jeff. But what is that to see what he do? I just think Matt should just have a single one. Stop down. Stop adding DLC characters from just the tag team with because they ain't got nothing else better to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this pretty much uh, explains Jeff Hardy for the next few years. <laughs> Unfortunately, so we pray for a speedy recovery. But uh, I, I've said this before. I think I really want to see a Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt feud. I really do. And I think that, uh, you know, just having Matt Hardy come out and be a jobber to Braun Strowman, you know, doesn't help him at all. Uh, but I definitely think that uh, you know I I have this in my head. I, I say it. <clears throat> I think that uh, you know maybe some type of 
you know, feud to hold him over until next year. I would say him and Elias would be a good feud for the for the uh, for, for the rest of the year, the next couple months. And I think going into you know the first of the year and and going into WrestleMania, especially going to WrestleMania, I think a, a wonderful match would be. Uh, broken Matt Hardy against Bray Wyatt. I think that would be a fantastic match. I think you have, um, you have, prob- you know, possibly, you know, Bray beat Matt like at a pay per view leading into Mania, and Matt beat Bray. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of fifty fifty booking, but I think that uh, maybe to to get him more of an into a broken state, you know, Bray beats you know. Uh, Matt Hardy, but I definitely wouldn't do it a bunch of months like they're doing with Bray and Finn, which is terrible. Uh, but yeah, I'd make it a couple months, two or three months. Uh, this, the shorter the better, really. But broken Matt, he comes into his broken state at WrestleMania, full broken state. I would bring Rebby cut the comeback for the uh, for the piano <laughs> at, at Mania, New Orleans. And uh, and and, and Ob- him and Bray would be such a fantastic match, uh, just as far as just that type of character standpoint. Um, and I would have Mar- Matt beat Bray. I would have Bray uh, attack Matt uh, afterwards. And if if Jeff's good to clear cleared to go, I think that's uh, that's perfect. I think you have um, Matt and Jeff. Uh, you have Jeff come and make the save. And then you have, you know, Matt and Jeff against Bray and Braun. I think that I think that's a really good tag feud uh, that can have some really cool matches with it. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, I, I, I do agree. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm the only one that looked at this. I, I was looking at Hell in the Cell, and I was thinking like Kevin Owens invokes more fear than Bray Wyatt. Hmm. I, I, I think I, I, I saw an ant. <laughs> outside that you know, was going across the grass that evoked more fear than break. And it's not, I feel so bad because it's not. And Jim Ross has said this before, and then I've even talked to him uh, off air before. He said the same thing is that is the worst. That is so much of a lost opportunity that WWE has done. It's not Bray's fault. Yeah. <clears throat> WWE dropped so Bruce much of the ball with Bray. Yeah, yeah, brother, bro. So it's, uh, yeah, man, I, I I agree with you. You know, man, Hardy could, could definitely feel with Bray and, and a lot, which I really like a lot, by the way. Um, side note, WWE doesn't, I keep telling people, WWE, WWE does not like government names. If you start off with a with a first and last name, WWE is going to end up changing it to just your yeah. last name, but just your first. Uh, Elias, Antonio Cesaro, Antonio Cesaro, Langston, <laughs> Dave Batista. Right. I mean, the list goes on. Um, that's something you could write about a piece on all the names. Uh, yeah, that's a good Bobby one. That's, that's a good one. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, I just, I just said one. Yeah, Alexander Rusev. Remember he was Alexander, Alexander Rusev. Rusev. Yeah. Uh, 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 Louis Tenza. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Prince Albert. Go, go down the list. But um. Like I said, it's just interesting. Matt Hardy definitely um, is this a lot of wiggle room for him. Uh, get him up the tag team division. They're fine without the Hardys right now. Just having Russell singles, and I think that'll work. Um, and then, like I said, the last the last headline that, that you had is the real reason why the Shield 
Of course, our good old brother, Uncle Dave, Dave Meltzer, uh, reported this. And um, the Shield reuniting, one of the main reasons why the Shield reunited, WWE decided to backstage news, air quote, uh, is due to a football season, of course, going on heavy Monday night football, which statistically, fans listen now, if you're not sure, Monday night football, whenever the NFL is in uh, season from September to December, is normally the death season for WWE on Raw ratings. Uh, the NFL, especially since the early millennium, has always slaughtered, if I could say, WWE in ratings. So WWE always tend to, tends to do things to kind of boost it, to kind of go to the next level for Monday Night Raw so, people, so fans could keep interest. So that's the main reason why the show comes back. One, football, of course, NBA, and also to kind of get Reigns out of the main title loop so they could keep Reigns fresh for a singles competition. That way Brock can still feed with Finn Balor, who only weighs about 190 pounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Brock can feed, you gotta, you know, you gotta count uh, when he's in, when he's in the paint. When he's in the demon paint, it's, he's, he's about a, he's about 195. Yeah, cause, yeah, yeah, the paint. Actually, you gotta add the, the head get up, the head dress. So That's true. Yeah, so make sure we'll round him off to 200. Yeah, we'll uh, round him off to 200. Yeah. 198. Okay. Yeah, we'll give him 198. So uh, I guess when Finn Balor is, is a man, because, you know, man versus man, and when he's a man who actually uh, is weird, the whole the whole mythos of that, a man that's a demon that is a man. That, anyway, <laughs> uh, so so Brock, you know, feeding with uh, 190-pound Finn Balor, 198 demon Balor, to get Brock time. To see with other with newer people to have uh, um, reigns to kind of freshen up, and basically really saying WWE fans, you have your attention span is low. You're going to forget things quick, so we're going to push reigns aside because we want you to forget that reigns had this interaction with Brock. So when Mania, when uh, the Rumble comes up and we start planning for Mania, then we can act like it's all fresh and new, and then we we'll remind you that they fought against each other. Had Mania, uh, what was it, 31? Uh, yes, San Jose, yeah. yeah. What was it, San Jose? Yeah, San Jose. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, the Dallas great thing was, was uh, Reigns and Triple H, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm was 32, I was there. 31, it was uh, Reigns and Lesnar, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much, fans, why the show is together to, to, to keep Reigns fresh from the title picture to they're ready to bring them back in Monday Night Football. I mean, I like the fact that the Shield is back together. It feels weird. It, it, it's a good thing because you had the Shield as a group, and now all three of them are separate entities. I guess kind of like the Holy Ghost, or the Trinity, Holy Spirit, and <laughs> God, <laughs> Jesus. Now they all come together. You know, they're three separate entities. They come as one. They all kind of they all have their own identities now. Uh, you know, Rollins, we don't know who he is. He's just kind of in, in wrestling purgatory, burn it down, architect, but you commit arson and and what are you? Uh, your taunts don't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Ambrose looks like he needs a shower, but he he has he has a direction. He's a character. He's crazy, um, and he keeps stealing um, Nigel McGuinness's moves. And then of course you have Roman Reigns. So uh, definitely good. You know, I actually like it. Uh, how you feel about that? The, the, the shield returning uh, and that three fist bump. That's never 
Uh, they always do a cricket, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like it, man. And we can actually head on, we can actually transition over to the raw talk. Um, I like it, man. I really, I think it was a great. See, here's the thing, though. Here's my caveat. I wish that they would have saved that to the end. I know that there's some speculation. We talked about this on the show last week. That basically one of the reasons why you're having the cruiserweights debut. Um, uh, well, uh, Kuzoi's main event the past few weeks is that uh, the WWE is like after about ten fifteen, they kind of they kind of clock out as far as just um, expectations. I mean, their 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 third hour numbers have been consistently lower, um, and having the cruiserweights don't help. That's for sure. But they want the you know to kind of compete with Monday Night Football. And you know, just different things like that. They they have the better things and the bigger things in the front. So I'm not a big fan of that. I think you know, I'm still a big fan of you know you you book towards the end. You know everything everything about you know booking or as far as pro wrestling is concerned, it should be about you know just kind of leading to the end, just kind of building up. And having the shield like there at one of the beginning of the show, it doesn't really anticipate. You know, where's the art of anticipation? You know, where's that gone? And I really did like that Strowman spot because that's, I mean, that's uh, to, to, to borrow this from Cole Vintage Vintage Shield. Uh, I did right. like that a lot. <laughs> I did like that a lot. Um, but I still, I wish that they would have built it toward the end, though. I mean, they could have had, you know, here's my, here's how I would have booked it. If you want to make the that Miz spot, if you want to make the actual reunion, the the beginning, um, uh, if if you want to actually do that, uh, the, I would say the beginning of the second hour, like the ten o'clock hour, or the nine o'clock hour, uh, I should say, I would have had the cruiserweight like. At the the top of the the nine o'clock, I would have had the the shield at the top of the ten o'clock, and I would have had the main event as Matt Hardy and Braun Strowman, and I would have had the final thing of the night would would have been the shield attacking um, Strowman. Uh, Braun Strowman, and that would have been a, a great ending to the night, and that would have really made the whole shield return even more potent to me. Now you're talking about, you know, uh, Braun being added to the TLC match? I mean, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. I was going to come back and, and have a match against Strowman, but he may not be able to return. That's probably why he got thrown in, uh, Strowman got thrown in there. But four on three, I mean, if you're trying to make Strowman look good, I, I highly doubt that the Shield's going to lose. You know, uh, at well, TLC, it doesn't make any sense to me. True, but you then also to remember that Strowman right now he's the wandering monster that is beats the crap out of anybody he wants. Strowman doesn't have any storyline with anyone because he's he's that over to where he could do anything, and he'll get over. So, 
Yeah, Remember, he has he, that. He, he, he has that type of. Yeah, he has he, that type. Of, and I've said this before. That's the reason why I don't think the loss against uh, Brock Lesnar was bad because he's. Because yeah, it makes he's, sense. Yeah, I mean he's impenetrable. You to forgot. Me. Like, you forgot when the Rock when. Yeah. Right. When he he tagged, you know Enzo, and and you know he has that he has that type of protection toward his character because he's so massive and he's the monster moment and he can just beat anybody up. Here's my issue with that though. I think that the I, I think there's I think there's a hundred percent chance that, that the Shield's going to win because you're building the Shield up. You're 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 returning them just to win. But here's the thing. I understand that they want to put Strowman in because it kind of makes it a bigger foe or makes it a bigger accomplishment of the Shield wins. However, though, I think it kind of hurts. Uh, I I think it kind of hurts, too, because you have Strowman, who could could have been a, a completely separate feud going into Survivor Series, going into their December pay per view. But you kind of throw him in a feud, and I don't think that was—I don't think that was a smart idea at all. I would have done. Well, I, uh, I would have done him and I, Jason Jordan, honestly. Oh gosh, high ranger looking <laughs> dude. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's really throwing into because uh, give give WWE credit for this. Remember, of course, here's the history with Reigns, which technically did it really end. No. You know, it was a long Dragon Ball Z saga match, saga feuds. Vegeta and Goku, they just doesn't end. And then remember, Strowman be all the crap out of Dean Ambrose, and then he be all the crap out of Seth Rollins. And now that they're back as three, they go and they attack Braun Strowman. So in a way, like I said, I agree with what you're saying too, but then also storyline-wise, it makes sense for them to attack him because oh, yeah. Strowman I mean, did Strowman did just beat him. Yeah, and I he think the only way to protect him, right? And I think the only way to protect them is if you do add him to this TLC match, is Strowman not to be the one to go through the table. Of course, the Miz is always the fall boy. Or was was it Miz and um who who else? Time of was it Miz and who else? Um. Well, anybody from the Minister Oz, really. Uh, <laughs> probably probably um, be uh, Curtis Axel. It'll probably be Seamus Cesaro. Uh, the ones that oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it is Seamus Cesaro, correct? And that's my that's my issue. Like, you have four people on one team against the Shield. Uh, to me, that's why you save Strowman. I think the Miz, Seamus, and Cesaro is a big enough trio to main event TLC. It's a minor pay-per-view. The whole get-up is about the Shield, anyways. That's the reason why I think that you that you save Strowman for um, Survivor Series. You do like the Shield and another team uh, against uh, you know uh, Braun Strowman's team. You know because the the, the feud with Braun Strowman is not over. I would have had Bray Wyatt as a part of uh, Braun Strowman's team and and, and a heel, another heel tag team, perhaps like the Miz and Sheamus and Zaro or um, uh, the Miz and um, uh, your boys Anderson and Gallows. You know, it's just something like a five on five type of team, and I think they just kind of ruined that 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 part. As far as SmackDown Live is concerned, uh, um, Benjamin and Gable, 
Um, I mean, they're the number one contenders now. Uh, Becky Lynch defeating Carmella. Yeah. Um, Team Angle too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and you know, it's funny. Uh, Nakamura and Randy Orton defeating Rusev in, Eng- in English. Uh, Bobby Roode. And then the Bobby Roode and Ziggler, yeah. Um, I think that I, I think the oh, and then uh, Baron Corbin uh, be, being AJ Styles. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that is the way to put AJ Styles back to the world title hunt, which makes sense. Um, but I, I think the thing is on with SmackDown. They just kind of pushed the new day away. That's that's that was the the, the crazy thing about it. It just you had a fatal four way, but the new day didn't get their title rematch. So to me, just the logic didn't make sense with that at all. Sami Zayn, I knew Sami Zayn was going to explain it like that. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I was like, you know what? It doesn't make much sense, but at the same time, they could do a, you know, I was. You know, a mistreated or I've been overlooked type of thing with Sami Zayn. I think the was as soon as he made that explanation, it prompted me to, to write a piece. I mean, just almost. I actually I started writing the piece as he was explaining. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I have, I have to write this so, because uh, this is the explanation that makes sense as far as him turning heel, and it should be interesting to see how this goes. So, 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 so I guess with that. I guess Todd Dillinger needs to become a heel too, because he's been from <laughs> NXT. He's yet to win a match, right. and, yeah. and I, I, I guess I look at everything as a whole package deal. Sami Zayn, good face, you know, you know the fans like him. One of the top five or six catchy th- theme songs. Now he's a heel, so to me that means he can't have the catchy full kid song. And you got to change up his attire. Or he can still have it, but he can come out sarcastic like he did today. So it may work. That is true. But yeah. I, that is true. But you know how we are with music. Music event, music invokes automatic emotion. Uh-huh. That song is not a heel song. When you hear that song, <laughs> you by default you automatically ready to do cartwheels, right. backflips. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, let's go. You no heel does that. No one says let's go. Now, unless you Pennywise, if you're a clown, or you know, you know, if you, view, you know, some kind of like crazy or off the wall Joker, Riddler, then yes, Sami Zayn. That's just a side for this is the same thing with. Uh, I I I, I was kind of even when Neville Neville wasn't even Neville wasn't as, as hyped up with that Neville could still come out. And let's see. I'll put it like this. Yeah. His Neville, Neville song, yeah. I would say, was T-Face, but... Excuse me. But he like changed Neville, it, though. He changed he, yeah, it up, changed though, it. when he was here. Neville changed it yeah. up. Yeah. It was, it was kind of... It was, it was the same in a lot of time, but in the beginning, it was very heelish when it started off. Speaking of that, there's reports uh, that he asked for his release. Uh, he was booked to... Um, the, that's still rumored as of now, as of this show. Uh, of course, uh, you know, follow Crave Wrestling, and uh, you know, uh, I will certainly be able to report it as uh, as more information come out. But uh, it is, I do know what I what I do know is that uh, the original plan 
for the Cruiserweight Championship match was for Neville to lose against Enzo. So, uh, so apparently, um, apparently Neville got upset and he walked out. So, uh, and he asked for his release reportedly. Um, but of course that's still rumors right now asking for your release and getting, getting granted your release are two totally different things. Uh, cause there were, you know, there were rumors that Primo and Epico asked for their release too, but, uh, they're not gone yet. Uh, and you know, there's some people get granted and some people don't. Uh, and so it, it, it'll be really interesting to see how this goes. I mean, you know, does Neville go, I mean, of course he goes back to Pac and, you know, he'll make a ton of money in the independence, but he won't get the opportunity that he did with WWE. And I hope that he's not upset that, you know, he's losing against Enzo Amore, especially how long he's, you know, uh, been cruiserweight champ and dominated the cruiserweight division. So I don't know the specifics. I can, you know, I'm going to spend the next couple of days trying to figure that out and, and, and pull some sources, but uh, it just doesn't make sense for him to get upset that he was supposed to lose against Enzo or upset of putting Enzo over seeing how just about his entire year, you know, he's been the, the king of the cruiserweights. So, yeah, I think, and, and we, and as we should know this, I think it should be, and I'm really hoping it is a lot more to just Enzo. I don't, like I said, I don't know Neville at all, anything, but I'm just thinking, I don't, hopefully, I don't think him losing to Enzo. Is, could really be the problem. I just think maybe yeah. it's a, a build up of other things. And granted, you know, like you said Neville was for a whole year. He was the best thing the cruiserweights had going for him. Um, and so, and, and we don't ever advocate anyone getting injured. But in sports, you always see the next man up, especially in pro wrestling. We've seen injuries happen, and that helped propel other people's careers. Hence. What helped Edge get propelled so high as the radio all sleeping star? People forget, oh, that's right. RVD and Sabu got caught got caught with weed, but yeah. the RVD won the title, and he gave the title to Edge, and that's one of the things that helped propel. I'm not saying he wouldn't get a push, but that really helped. But Big Cash getting help him too when uh, the... Anderson was injured, quote unquote injured. Oh, true, right, right, yeah, right, Ken Anderson. And... So yeah. those injuries help <clears throat> propel Edge. Who, I mean. Who knows what would have happened if Anderson didn't get injured, you know, or, you know, who knows what would have happened if RVD and Sabu didn't get caught with weed or if they just decided not to smoke weed that time. So, with Big Cass getting hurt, unfortunately, you know, we do wish him the best. Now, it it kind of helps out the best thing that can happen to 205 Live because you got Enzo, who has charisma, who has the following, now was the heel, and kind of forces him out of his, out of the echo comfort zone. And it, it, it kind of two hundred five live would have never made a event at Raw with just Neville or Aries or Swan or Alexander yeah. or uh, the English dude, English Muffin, um, McGarrahead, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, English Muffin. So which I like him. So in a way, it helps out. But let's just hope it's not just because Enzo leaving. Like I said. I, 
you know, I, I think I think Enzo is a very interesting character. Um, with his size, it's just the best thing going right now to be in Four or Five Live. Because, oh, yeah. like we all said, if, if you're not in Two or Five Live, you're pretty much done. Because right. you're in the land of the Giants on Raw, and yeah. so you can go to SmackDown. Where if you're not athletic and can keep up, you're pretty much going to be done either way. Mm-hmm. Seth Rollins isn't the biggest guy, but look how big he is to the cruiserweight. And never was the biggest cruiserweight. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Never, it's interesting. It's interesting to see, you know, of course, more more news. It, it's, a, it's a big surprise to me that he would ask for his release. It's just really a surprising to me. All right, this is the flavor of the week. Here we go. It is now time for the flavor of the week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the flavor of the week. This is the top five greatest war games matches. Um, WWE's bringing back war games for an NXT. Um, NXT Houston is NXT War Games right before Survivor Series on uh, November the 18th, the Saturday before. So, yeah, they're bringing back War Games. And, uh, I don't want to spoil anything as far as who's going to be there. I don't think it's been here yet on NXT. Um, so, we'll see. And it's going to be very interesting. And so, let's, let's go to the top five. Evan, your top five War Games matches of all time. Uh, top five War Games matches of all time. Number five, 1998, Fall Brawl. Of course, with uh, Kurt Hennon ended up uh, turning on uh, the Horsemen. Uh, just so great, uh, Hennon doing that 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 uh, that shit that um, that door spotted Ric Flair. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> So he keeps keep shaking his head. Yes, what he did. That's number five. Uh, the number four would be, I believe, it was Farber '94, the one that Terry Funk was in. Um, uh, just mainly because of the funny spot where Terry Funk got, got put in the power drive or got hit, and he actually fell in between the rope, in between the rings. Uh, both rings, I thought was hilarious. I think it was '94. Um, yeah. You're, I think you're in 97 for the uh, Horsemen. 98 was uh, Team WCW versus Team Hollywood versus Team Oh, uh, that never happened. Absolutely. Yeah, 97. Terrible. Uh, yeah, that never happened. Uh, that and uh, that, uh, the 94 um, one. But uh, not the 94, but the 93, the one with Kane and Cole. But uh, 97, oh, 5, 4, 94, 3, uh, one of my favorites the uh, Dangerous Alliance. The lead up was Russell 191. Um, one of my favorites, Blood. This, this was a great match. Anybody you see that watch it. And that's from Coach Bunny. Uh, was it 92? Yep. Yeah, 92. I'm sorry, I get my gears mixed up. Uh, uh, those three. Uh, T, of course, would be the first World Games, uh, the original one, the one that we got to watch on TV in the 80s with the Road Warriors and, and the Horsemen. And then, of course, number one, the greatest of all time of World Games is. 1996, of course, with the fake thing, the reveal that it was a bogus thing. Um, this is everything. The NWO, the hospital takeover, the horsemen, um, you know, Luger, Stinger, 
figure. You know, Savage coming out the blue, attacking and getting beat up later. Uh, I always get chills watching that stuff. So those are my top five. I got that year running on full fact. Top five yeah. games. That's an honorable mention for me. Uh, number five for me is Fallboard 97, Team NWO versus uh, the Four Horsemen. Uh, the the head on the, you know, and the wedge there between the cage and just that smack. And that it just hurts like crazy. And that stemmed from the Ma spot. You know, it would be an honor. But then he takes the spot and then he turns <laughs> in. It was uh, <laughs> very interesting <laughs> lead up to that. Uh, and number four was uh, Great American Bash 89, Road Warriors, um, and Menak Express, and Steve Williams yeah. beating the uh, Freebirds uh, and the Simone SWAT team. Something about that old school, that gritty uh, Great American Bash that I just really liked. Uh, number three is Russell Warner, like two Sting Squadron defeating uh, Dangerous Alliance. Um, uh, Sting forcing the tap with the arm bar. And then uh, Zabisco hit, hit him with the plate, you know, so accidentally hit it, hit him with the plate. And so Sting yeah. took advantage of that. So that was really interesting. Uh, number two, Russell Wall 91, Four Horsemen. That's it. Brothers, yeah, it was great. Of course, yeah. uh, of course that uh, crazy two power bomb, botched power bombs by Sid, and then L.A. Gante coming out. And, uh, oh, yeah, but those power bombs, I mean, that's one of the most memorable ones because of those power bombs. Which, oh man, speaking of uh, botched spots, uh, number one for me is Grand American Bass 97. That's watched uh, Doomsday Device where uh, Dylan fell and got jacked yeah. up. <laughs> oh, man. J.J. Dylan. Yeah, that was sad. All right, ladies and gentlemen, fantastic, fantastic show. Uh, War Games, looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Uh, uh, we haven't done the top five in a while, so it's really, really good to bring back a top five. And of course, you like the worst. Uh, like the yeah, the worst war games. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> we, may, we may get that before the war games come up. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 289. Thanks again to Arno Cal for being a part of the show tonight. Of course, thank you to Evan Crowd. Of course, as always, the co host of most. Follow him at tech underscore UTMR, right? Yes, on Twitter. Absolutely. Of course, follow the Undermat Radio Facebook page. And, of course, follow Crave Wrestling on Facebook and join the Facebook fan page, Crave Wrestling. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful week. Enjoy your week of wrestling, and God bless. On behalf of Evan Tech Proud, I am Chris Feathers. Yes. Pancakes of Power Slams, 289, signing off. Have a blessed It's been an honor.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.